Welcome, welcome. Guess who it is? Yet again, it's Robert Tidwell, host of the Contractor Soapbox podcast. I also own Mitten Landscape and Design, formerly Mitten Mowing and Landscaping or Mitten Mowing LLC. Okay, so today we're going to get into efficiency and how efficiency is key in any contracting business or mowing business or really any small business, large business, anything like that. But on our end, um, efficiency for the landscaping company or hardscaping company. First thing we're going to talk about is equipment. Uh, Everybody loves to hear about equipment. So first we'll start talking about that equipment wise. Skid steers are great. Mini skids are great. Trenchers are great. All that sort of thing. But you don't want to over leverage yourself to buy those things. Certainly if you can't afford them yet, if you're just starting out or if you're just figuring out how to make a good profit margin. Um, for us, we took quite a while to get a piece of large equipment for um, installation type work, so like a skid steer. Um, but we we did rent for a while. If you have to rent, please do rent. If you have to, instead of doing everything by hand, it will make the job go a whole lot faster. If it's possible, sometimes you know we've had jobs where it's hard to get a piece of equipment wherever you're going. Uh, a lot of times I tell customers when it comes down to it for a paver patio, let's say, if they can take a panel off of a fence or if they will allow us to take that panel off and replace it when the job is done, not replace it with a brand new one, obviously, but re- reattached the panel that we removed, then it can save them in the long run too. It's a whole lot less labor. Yes, you have to charge on a daily basis for the machine that you're using, certainly if it's a rental, but really if you own the piece of equipment, you should be charging the same amount as well for for your piece of equipment as if you were renting it, and that way it can cover any kind of overhead cost on that piece of equipment or um, for you to be able to get a new one because eventually that one will die and you will need a new one. So skid steers are great, but if if you can't get it back there, there's always the mini skid uh, or the mini excavator if you're doing something that you can use that for. Uh, for us, for patio work, for I would say a good majority of what we do, we use a full-size skid steer every now and then. We do have to rent a mini skid. It would be great to own one one day, but we don't. Uh, we continue to rent that, and actually it's pretty cheap. I think we rent it for like $185 a day or get a deal on it for like, I think it's 650 a week, uh, depending on you know how long we need it. Sometimes we try to you know schedule our jobs that need equipment that we rent all together so we can get a better deal on it in the long run. And sometimes it does help save some cost for the customer as well. Um, and then also, you know, having this equipment helps on labor. Uh, a few years ago, we really started a hard push on efficiency, and that's when we bought our first New Holland skid steer. It was definitely not new. I've talked about this before, but it was an auction piece. 
Uh, didn't really know much about it, just saw some pictures of it, was able to tell that it had some work done to it recently. It did run, we were told, by the auction company online, and um, we got there and we bought it. We got a pretty good deal on it. We ended up selling it uh, this past spring for more than we paid for it. I think we paid right around 11000 for it, and then we sold it for, I think it was right around fourteen, five, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. Um, and of course with the market today in 2022, that can happen a lot. You can sell things for at least what you paid for them a couple years ago or more sometimes, certainly if you got a deal on it to begin with. So equipment can replace labor. A lot of times, uh, we have found that having that piece of equipment really does help with hard to find labor. This year, we've gotten pretty lucky, I would say, on finding good labor, actually. Um, with over the last couple years, it was definitely hard to find that. But this year, we got pretty lucky. Even that being said, having the equipment, it just helps the guy's morale a whole lot better. Uh, for example, you know, they don't want to have to dig out, you know, a 500-square-foot patio, 1,000-square-foot patio, or dig trenches for drainage or anything like that. Um, another example for efficiency with equipment would be using an auger if possible for plants, trees, things like that. Certainly trees. Uh, recently on a larger job that we had that we just finished up, oh, I would say, I think it's been about a week now, maybe a week and a half, uh, we had to put 10 large trees in and we rented a 36 inch auger, so 36 inches wide, and I believe it was four feet deep, uh, that attached to our full-size skid sear, and we were able to pluck all 10 of those holes in, I think it was about 10, 15 minutes really, because they were scattered all over this large property that we used. If they weren't scattered all over the property, we probably could have done it a whole lot faster even. And that included us getting it off the trailer, hooking it to the skid steer, and putting it back on the trailer and strapping it back down on the trailer as well. So it really does increase efficiency. If you can imagine trying to dig 10 holes for um, 10 trees, and most of these holes were in clay areas that was very dry, trying to dig that out by hand, it would take hours, man hours, to get something like that done. So these are all things equipment-wise that you should definitely be thinking about when it comes to efficiency. If you can't afford one, though, it's completely understandable. Like I said, we've all been in that same boat before. Um, and like I said, we rent, you know, the only thing we don't rent is a full-size skid steer when it comes to equipment like this. So make sure you are um, renting if possible, if you can not purchase. And then when it comes to purchasing, like I've said, in a previous podcast, I prefer to buy, you know, from from my local dealer, I guess you could say, that brings the best customer service. So we went with Bobcat. They are a little bit far. I would say they're about an hour away, but they definitely brought the customer service when it came down to it. Um, if I call them and say I've got a problem or I've just got a question, um, they're right on the ball. And when I went to buy the Bobcat, I think we really just got lucky because we didn't order it. 
Uh, they actually had a T66 available when I called and we went down there and picked it up within, I think it was like two days or something like that. But anyways, that's pretty much it when it comes to the equipment side that I've got for right now. Now, as far as tools go, um, when it comes to the mowing side, we had become pretty efficient with things like that. Um, so we had the, the trimmer racks, the blower racks, the string trimmer rack. So you're not fumbling through the cab of the truck and trying to find something to cut the string with and all that. Just get a string trimmer rack, put it on the fender of your trailer or inside your enclosed trailer. Get the string that you need, put it in your back pocket before you start a job, and and that way you've got it. Um, instead of just walking back to the trailer whenever your string runs out, make sure you or your guys, is they are keeping that string on them. I've seen, uh, we've had some guys where they kind of have it loosely around their neck. I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, I prefer to just spool it up, put it in my back pocket, and then I know there's other uh, products out there that you can get depending on what kind of uh, whip you have where you can just kind of have it attached to the the uh, string trimmer as well. Uh, and that way you can just reload it right on site. But we always used Echo uh, string trimmers, just what we preferred. And we had the uh, speed feed head, so we would have the string in our back pocket. If it ran out, you just ran it through there. And within a minute or so, you're loaded back up and ready to go again. Uh, another thing when it comes to mowing, uh, we were big on making sure everything was fueled up before you started using it. So uh, in the morning, the mowers had to be fueled up. Make sure you had enough gas, which the guys would generally get that the day before if they didn't have it for the next day. And then also um, when you go to start, so for example, the guys, let's say they were doing an apartment complex, they would fill up their string trimmer with fuel, make sure they had the string on them, and then off they go. Same thing with the blowers. If they had under half a tank, definitely get fuel in that thing and take off. So that way you're not walking back to fuel it up. Now when it comes to cleanup season, obviously that's a little bit different. You're probably going to run out of fuel on your blower, uh, depending on the size of the property. And that's just something we, we kind of have to deal with on that aspect of it. So just make sure you try to get some racks. We used a few different brands of racks. Um, one that really worked out for us was a jungle gem rack that we threw on a 16 foot trailer that we had and it held three tremors and then it had a basket for the gas cans and it also held blowers. Um, we would also carry around uh, some pitchforks in the back of the truck. I think it was like two pitchforks in the back of the mowing truck for the grass clippings for getting them out or if they had to be loaded for some reason as well. But on to the hardscaping side of tools. So again, like I said, the last few years we've been really big on trying to pick up efficiency, certainly with the labor pool issues that everybody has seen since uh, COVID hit back in 2020. Um, so one thing we started with was the, um, I think it was called, I think it's called Pave More. Pave Tools got some other options out there as well, but the 
the paver lifters, what you'll say. So they attach to the air compressor, ours does. We bought a little job site Makita air compressor, lifted it up, or use it to lift the, the pavers with the tool, and it's just vacuum tools. If you look that up for hardscaping through Pave Tool or any other company, like I said, I believe it's called Pave More, then that is definitely a plus. It really helps out with the larger pavers. So we have gotten more and more into the larger pavers, less and less into the Hollands. Generally, those are used for um, borders or little accent areas, you may say. Um, so that is one of the, that's the first thing that we bought. Uh, having a laser is a, I mean, it's pretty much a needed thing. And there's a couple different options out there for lasers, whether you use the zip level, which uh, works on a, um, I think it's like a gas in the tube. Uh, there's another option out there like the zip level. And then we have a um, Topcon laser that we we just prefer the laser it works really well and as long as you know how to do the math you can work with the stick that you that it comes with when you buy a kit like that uh, for your remote for your laser remote or you can also get which we found over time certainly after you hire people that don't have as much experience in this field or in excavating anything like that uh, we bought a um, a tool from Pave Tool again, and it is a laser stick that zeroes out, and you can kind of adjust that so you hit your zero mark, and then you go up one inch to drop an inch within the ground or within the soil, and then you know you just kind of go from there. And if you want to go uh, up in grade, you go down on the stick an inch, two inches, whatever it may be. The only confusion that we've ever had with that tool, and it's just something that myself and uh, the guys have to get used to, is there is an inch side of it and there is a centimeter side of it. So make sure you're looking at the right side, depending on where you're at, uh, whether it be, you know, uh, the U.S. or some other country so you know what um, what side measurement you want to be looking at. So, um, as far as the laser goes, that's pretty much what I've got to say there. Uh, I will say make sure you take the batteries out if you have one of those, certainly over the wintertime. Uh, you don't want those batteries to explode inside there and cause all sorts of other issues for you and pretty much have to replace it if it gets too bad. Another thing would be the clamps. So if you are installing steps, clamps are a huge must. Uh, we've done it the not-so-good way, I guess you could say, with a set of forks on a mini-skid or skid steer or using the strap off of a mini-excavator and lowering it down and trying to teeter it on this strap, and it's just not a good idea because then you're trying to get the strap fed out from underneath the step after it gets laid down. So using a step-type clamp that will grab that step and set it where you need it to go, make sure you get one big enough for um, the largest steps I would say that you install and then go the next size up. So the clamps work out really easily. 
you know, you attach a chain to them. Once you hook it onto this clamp and then pull it up with the skid steer, with the boom of the skid steer, it clamps onto it, it chokes it, and then you can kind of move around with it. So you've got somebody in the cab of the skid steer and then one person on the ground and they're kind of directing where it needs to go and, and fitment and everything. And it's a whole lot easier because once it's down, you just set it down, unchoke it, lock that clamp in the open position and then lift up and that clamps out of there your steps pretty much down you may have to make some minor adjustments with a dead blow and you're good to go as long as you're screed and everything is good with that so speaking of screed though screeders um there's a couple different ways that you can definitely go about this uh, when so if we're doing a project we have always used rails uh, the rails we've used different kinds and if you have a suggestion on what you guys use please leave a comment and I will definitely take a look at that if I haven't used it before right now we use gas line pipe for our rails they come in 10 foot sections they're nice and sturdy yes they do get bent over time but we tend to they tend to last us pretty long, I will say. Um, I think I just replaced our first set for the year to a second set, and this was only a week or so ago that I replaced that set. We do keep it in a 4-inch PVC pipe when they're not being used in the trailer that we have. But when it comes to actually screeding, there's a lot of different options out there. Uh, when we first started really getting into the hardscape side Within the business, we started out with, um, well, the first time, I guess we started out with a straight 2x4, semi-straight 2x4. Good luck finding those nowadays. Um, they were hard to find years ago. I feel like they've only gotten worse from here. So if you're ever trying to frame out a house, I don't know how they're straight at all or plumb. But anyways, those don't work. Then we moved up to the Milwaukee Screeder levels. And we still have these. They're great tools to have. Um, my uh, my brother-in-law that has worked in concrete for a while talked about these, and I happened to look them up. And they are pretty. They're pretty great levels to have, and you can use them as a screeder as well. So again, they're Milwaukee screeder level. We've got the two-foot size, the four-foot, and the six-foot. Pretty much covers. I would say 90% of what we need to screed and we can make it work if you got to angle it a little bit or something like that. Um, so we then this year started using the pave tool screeds that attach to a pole and you pull it. It saves a lot of backache. I will say a lot of backache and it's a whole lot more efficient because you can just pull away and if you have too much you don't have that weight on you you just kind of scoop it and move it and you can also push back so you since you have this pull you have the the ability to push back and reach quite far out with it i forget what the reach on it is but it's pretty it's pretty far and the pole is just like a painter's pole that they've modified a little bit to work with with their tools and in no way am i saying could i make one of these things i'm sure if i put my mind to it i probably could but 
when it comes down to it, after all my time and buying the material, I'm better off just buying the tool and being done with it. And that's what we did. So it came with three different sizes. I think they're three foot, four foot, and like six and a half or seven foot, something like that. Either way, they work out really well. And certainly if you're doing a raised patio, um, it really does help because once you hit that end and you hit your block wall with that raised patio, a lot of times you end up with a little bit of excess screed, whether it be sand or um, number nines, however you want to call it. Again, here they call it H1 coarse stone in our area. But you're, it allows you to kind of scoop that up and, and get it out of there instead of trying to play with it and get it out with your hands or a flat shovel or something like that. Generally, we're able to just kind of tilt that, that screeder and get it out of there. And when it comes to walls, we actually have uh, wall screeds. So we call them nunchucks because it, it looks like two sets of nunchucks that are, are connected together, but a whole lot longer. So they're 18-inch uh, long pipe, I believe it is. Maybe they're two-foot long pipe. And they're attached to chains. And you just kind of section them out along your wall. And if you're doing any kind of step-ups with the wall, it still allows you to do that as well with them. And at that point, we don't use the the screeder from pave tool we just use our level the milwaukee screeder levels and kind of screed from there and again we're setting those pipe those rails whether it be for the retaining walls or for the patios or walkways we're setting those using the laser not the level all the time sometimes we do use the levels to just make minor adjustments maybe but generally we're using that laser to get a dead-on feed of our slope, which should be 2%. I know even if you're using permeable, you can go lower, but I'm a big fan of using a 2% slope on my patios and walkways. Okay, so that's pretty much all I've got for the tool section of efficiency. Uh, trailers, trucks, things like that. So in 2019, we finally bought our first dump trailer. It was probably the best purchase we had ever made in the, in the beginning of our business. I wish I had bought one when we first started. Uh, the first couple years, we were loading stuff into a 12-foot trailer by hand a lot of the times. Most of the times, 12-foot trailer, putting way too much weight in it. So we had loaded in there, and then we'd have to shovel it back out. And that, uh, that kills a lot of time. A lot of, a lot of payroll goes out when you have something like that. I understand we bought that 2019 trailer, dump trailer, for $7,500. They now go for, I think it's twelve dollars or $13,000, which is crazy to me. Even, the, even our dealer that sells these things says it's just astronomical pricing. Um, but... That's just the world we live in today. Anyways, dump trailers, dump trucks. I mean, I'm a huge fan of not having trailers, but unfortunately I have a lot of trailers. Um, I wish I could get rid of some of my trailers, uh, but we have the ones that we have. But dump trailers, dump trucks, whatever it may be, try to find the best one again that you can in your area, just like I said for the equipment. Um... If you're doing any kind of landscaping or hardscaping work, it will save you a ton of time having that dump trailer. Something that can just dump out the product if need be, 
or let's say you're not even dumping out the product at the job site, but when you excavate, you can get to a landfill or if you're dumping on your property, you know, if you've got a large enough property, you can just get there, hit the button, dump it, you're done. And then that brings me to multi-use type trailers. So like I had mentioned in the last podcast, I am trying to decide, or Vicki and I are trying to decide, what we should do next year. So currently our dump setup is a 2004 Duramax diesel with a flatbed on it attached to the dump trailer. And it is a 14 foot long load trail dump trailer. Uh, safely, you can put about four tons in it. We've put over that. Uh, you can put five tons in it if it's got a really good battery and you think you can dump that. You just got to watch out if it's a little too wet because wet dirt, even wet gravel, weighs a whole lot more than when it's dry. So we are trying to decipher on getting a dump truck or what's called a BY's Ultimate Dump Trailer. So a dump truck obviously costs more than a trailer, but we also know that our 2004 Duramax is starting to lean on its last leg and cost us quite a bit of money every 5,000 miles. Not because of the oil change or preventative maintenance, but it seems like every 5,000 miles it decides that it just does not want to uh, run properly, whether it blows an injector, even though they've been replaced before, and we replace with good injectors, or it's just something else that it's decided to not work anymore. So, a dump truck, if you, let's say you bought a brand new one, you're looking between seventy dollars and $80,000 to where a BY's Ultimate Dump Trailer will cost you, from what I've seen, twenty-one dollars to $23,000. I haven't been able to see one in person in quite a long time. Last time I saw one was at the GIE Expo back in, I think it was 2017. And I will say they are quite the interesting trailer because they are multi-use. Yes, you can put a skid steer inside a dump trailer, regular dump trailer, whether it be load trail, sure track, something like that. But these are a little bit different with the way their ramp system works works with the way the door works it's got this hydraulic lift gate on it that can go up or down so it goes up to dump down to ramp things like that uh dump truck my downside to a dump truck i talked to um one of our suppliers when he was making a delivery so he was using an older f450 with the old 73 in it he said that one he can haul about four tons in it. He said they've got a newer one. They can only haul about three tons in it. And it's got a, it's got a diesel in it as well. Pretty much same setup. It's an F450, but he can only get about three tons in it. So I'm kind of at the point where why would I buy something where I can't haul more or, or less, I guess you could say, than what I can haul right now on my dump trailer that I have currently. So I'm kind of at this point where why don't I get a B-Wise trailer because it can haul 16 yards of mulch supposedly if you get the 16 footer because it's got these nice tall sides. I can load the skid steer in there. So now we are taking the skid steer to a job site in a dump trailer instead of taking the skid steer on a flatbed equipment trailer where all I can put is very little pallets on it really because you got the fenders in the way and... 
it can't really hold that much weight considering, well, it can hold quite a bit of weight, but considering how much pallets of brick weigh or pavers lay, weigh, um, it's really not great for, for what we can do. So if you can find a multi-use option, that's definitely the way to go when it comes to trucks or trailers, you know. So I know Mike Andes is real big on going trailerless with his mowing routes, and I think it's a great idea. Why have an extra piece of equipment when you can use your truck for more than just hauling the trailer? Why don't you put the mower in there as well? And I think he uses, um, I think it's called ramp rack or something like that. But if, if you're doing smaller in-town sort of properties where you're using a 48-inch or smaller mower, even a push mower maybe, then why why wouldn't you? And that would increase your efficiency. And not only will it increase your efficiency, but it decreases the learning curve for anybody new working for you. If they can drive a car, they can drive a truck more than likely. Now they don't have to worry about how to back up a trailer, how to turn wider when you have a trailer, whatever it may be. So that's a big one there, uh, is trying to use trucks or trailers as multi-use equipment, not just for one thing. Okay, so last one for trailers, I will say, is a job trailer. Uh, we chose a couple years ago to get a job site trailer. So it keeps all of our tools in this enclosed, I think it's a 20-foot trailer. Yeah, it's a 20-foot trailer with a V-nose in it. It's got everything organized in there. Now, you're going to have to try to make sure that your guys keep it organized, or you're going to have to say something to them. But we made shelves, we did all sorts of things to make sure everything had its own place. And eventually, I've said it for years, and I haven't done it, because we can all work on something, of course, our packouts. So we have the Milwaukee packout system, and in the smaller packouts with the clear top on them, we have, you know, drill bits in one of them, driver bits, driver and drill bits. Um, <clears throat> we have the landscape lighting box or the electrical box. Uh, we also have the irrigation box. So we don't do irrigation, but uh, you're going to probably break irrigation at some point. Uh, I think we do it at least three or four times a year uh, where a customer doesn't not mark the sprinkler heads is the biggest problem. We ask them to, but they don't do it anyways. And then we will fix it sometimes. Sometimes we'll say, you know, hey, you didn't mark it. And you got to call somebody. But I would say 99% of the time, we just fix it there. It's pretty easy fix usually. And we just take care of it. It's a whole lot better than trying to have them call their irrigation company or I know a guy that owns an irrigation company, but you know, he, he's busy. He has a business as well. It's not like he can just always jump out there and fix it for me or for that customer. Uh, then we've got boxes for other things, uh, with little hardware. So your concrete anchors, your regular wood screws, things like that. And then we've got shelves for all the other tools, racks for the shovels, all sorts of things like that. Um, I should probably make a video on this at some point, but I haven't yet. And then in the Venos, we have a bathroom with a camping style porta potty. Greatest thing we've ever done, I would say. Because if the guys have to go to the bathroom on a job site, you don't have to hear, I gotta go to the bathroom. Can I go up to the gas station? Well, when they go to the gas station, they're probably gonna buy some drinks. 
and they're going to take their time getting there sometimes. And then they're going to get stuck in traffic on their way back or on their way there. So that little bathroom break just took about 20 minutes of your time sometimes, if not more, in all reality. So by them being able to use that portage on, that's just a little camping portage on, you know, you empty it. And we actually empty it here at the shop because our shop is on our property. But in order for the guys to have a bathroom here, we just rent a portage on for, I think it's like $95 a month. It's on site. It gets cleaned out once a week. And once a week, we all take turns and we dump this porta potty into there. And then our Porter John guy comes and cleans it out and all that sort of stuff. And then you just put one of those little camping tablets in there and that helps with the smell of it. If it is really hot, sometimes you got to do it more than once a week, but no big deal. It only takes about 10 minutes to get that done. But that 10 minutes to get that done once a week, even twice a week, is a whole lot better than one guy running up to the gas station to use a bathroom. So, another item for efficiency will be deliveries or is deliveries. So, have your supplier deliver if you can. Now, I will say we do have a dump trailer like I just said earlier. We do get some of our gravel brought in, but if we have a job that's going to require you know, 15 plus, 20 plus tons of gravel being brought in for a job, then why wouldn't I just have my uh, supplier, local supplier? So we've got suppliers kind of scattered around when it comes to gravel. We only have one supplier for our H1 course stone, so that's the unfortunate part. We do have to go get that every job unless we're within their delivery range. But sometimes we're... We are in their delivery range, but the H1 course stone or the number nines for the screeding, you're not using as much of that as you are your 6AA limestone for your base. So we just go and get it, keep it in that dump trailer so it doesn't get dirty. I'm real big on trying to keep this clean stone clean because I don't want dirt and everything in there. It's going to clog up my drainage. And then not only that, but when I do the screeding on it, it's... The guys get frustrated. I get frustrated if there's a clump of mud in there or some big rock got stuck in there because then it just messes up the screed and you get to kind of fix that area. So if you can get it delivered, big one that we learned on, because again, we're all learning, we all make mistakes, is the pavers. You know, if you're getting one, two pallets of pavers, yeah, you might go pick that up if you need to. If you're getting 10 pallets of pavers have your supplier bring it. Our supplier for pavers is about an hour and a half away. They are not cheap to deliver, but I have found when they tell you they're going to deliver it, and this is a big thing, find, finding good suppliers. It took us a long time to find good suppliers, but finding good suppliers, when they say they're going to be there Wednesday, they are there Wednesday, and they call you at 10 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, whatever it may be, and you have an update on when they're going to be there or that the driver just left the lot and they're going to be there in about an hour and a half. But not only that, but having somebody bring you that material, now you're not taking away your labor time that somebody could be building on a project compared to going to get these pavers. And if you're getting 10 pavers, well, let's see, our dump trailer can hold about three pallets at a time, and maybe you've got equipment or a trailer that can hold more but it just doesn't add up 
to have them go get it, certainly when the supplier's an hour and a half away. So we just have them bring it to us. Makes it a whole lot easier. A lot of times they have the Moffat, so sometimes they'll bring it a day or two ahead of time. And we don't have to worry about it because they have a Moffat that can unload it. Now, we do have a project coming up, and we've had projects in the past where they have to bring a semi-load, and then they're not going to be able to bring the Moffat. But we have the skid steer, and we make that work with them and, and unload it as we need to. So we had a project that we finished up a couple weeks ago. It was 32 pallets on there, and that took some time to unload, but it still isn't the time that it would take for us to go grab 32 pallets because none of us have CDLs, and we can't... We don't have anything that can haul 32 pallets at a time either. And I don't plan on buying a semi-truck here anytime soon either. So deliveries are a big thing for efficiency. If you can, get your supplier to bring things. Then when it comes to labor, again, I know it's been hard over the last couple of years trying to find guys. But like I said, we've seen good guys this year. Um, I will say, I think this is the first year I think that we haven't had to let somebody go, um, whether it be for bad attitude or just lack of not wanting to work or can't even get a 40 hour work weekend. And that all takes experience on trying to hire somebody, I would say, but having efficiency type tools, equipment, you'll attract better people as well. So when you, when you are looking for labor, just keep that in mind. You do have to, it's going to take some experience to learn how to hire. Um, I have also learned that I am not the best at hiring when it comes to interviewing people. Uh, this year I decided to ask Vicki and Matt to interview people. I was there on some of them, most of them, I would say. Um, but they... When I was hiring people, it seemed like after I would hire them, Matt or Vicky would say, oh, I don't know about this guy. And more than nine times out of ten, they were right. And those people didn't end up working out. And it wasn't because Matt or Vicky were mean to them or anything like that. It was just because they were right. They Those people were not the, the fit for us. So that will take some time. But I think... Uh, goes back to you know you catch more bees with honey and when you've got the equipment and of course the pay but when you've got the the equipment people see that and they want to work for for a company that that doesn't want you out breaking your back every day um, when there's other options out there to help with that and again you can't have everything um, to make that happen. Eventually you could. I mean, as far as equipment goes, you could have a tilt rotator on a mini excavator. That would be phenomenal to have. Um, but those are definitely expensive pieces of equipment to have, and it takes growth to get there. So that's all I've got today. Um, again, if you ever have any comments, questions, you can always leave a comment or a review on the uh, podcast whether you're using apple spotify something like that uh google, well google doesn't allow reviews um or you can always message us on instagram